Hey, yeah, I don't, I don't know a lot, but this is what I know. This is what I know. I, when I read this, and I read it every year for a while, uh, so the, the point is, when you read this, it messes up your life. Uh, like if you want to live comfortable, if you want to keep the same stuff that you have, think how you think. Follow every desire that you want to follow. Um, spend the money how you want to spend money. If you want to do this, do that. Don't read this. I keep thinking that, like, if you read this, it rips up your life. It rips up your life. It rips things out. And then, but it doesn't just rip things out. Whatever it rips out, it adds a hundredfold. You know, like, die to yourself that you may have life. And I'm just realizing, man, he's dangerous to my flesh, like to my sinful flesh. I want to follow desire after desire and just go down that path. But then I open up his word, and if I let a little room in, it's like he takes it all, and he just says, no, I I want all of you. And I'm realizing that, well, he's almost scary. Uh, And it's changing the way I pray. There's this passage there's this passage in Exodus. So let's read it. Well, actually, hold on. Wait. I, I got to tell you the story first. So I was reading Exodus 19, and it's like this cool story where God comes down on the mountain, and there's fire, there's smoke, and then God speaks in the mountains tremble. And it's just amazing. I was like, I want that. God, I want that. Uh, and there was a storm outside, so I went outside, and there's thunder lightning. I'm like, how are you there? Uh, I'm kind of weird. You'll pick that up just a teeny bit, uh, and that's okay. Uh, but I kept reading, and I got to Exodus 33, and this is that famous story. When Moses is on the mountain, he hasn't been eating, he hasn't been drinking, and he's in the presence of God, and this is where he says, show me your glory. It's in a crazy story. Uh, But I was really challenged at Exodus 20, where God came on the mountain, everyone ran away, and they said, we don't want to hear God, you go hear him for us. And then Moses went, and they went away. So let's read Exodus 33 real quick. That'll give us context to what I'm talking about. It's just, it's messed up my life in a great way. It's changed the way I've been praying. So we start on verse 18 of Exodus 33. Please show me your glory, And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. That's crazy. Uh, And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you you shall stand on the rock, and while the glory passes by, I will put... Uh, a cleft in the rock, and he goes on. And he says, I'll cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face you shall not see, be seen. And this story, man, um, has been affecting me. Uh, so I read this, and I said, Abby, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I said, I'm going to go to the woods. I'm just taking my Bible. And I'm just going to go. I took Friday off. And I was like, she's like, how long? I was like, forever. Not forever. Just for a day, maybe two. And then she's like, but Parker, it's going to be really cold, like freezing. And I said, nothing's getting between me and God. I'm going to get the glory. So I went. I should have listened to her, guys. It was so cold. Um, 
I mean, freezing. My, I was at, so I went to this desolate place in the woods, and it was so cold, and I just let the Bible fall open, and, and Isaiah 6 came, like landed on that. And Isaiah 6 is the story where Isaiah has a vision of God in the throne room, and the cherubim are saying, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And then I was, that night one of one, <laughs> spoiler alert, I only made it, I only made it one night. It was so cold, guys. I was trying to light a fire. I mean, uh, it was so bad. But uh, that night one was good. And I was just like, man, and then the, the whole earth is filled with his goodness, uh, his glory. And I started thinking like, God's glory is everywhere. It's kind of a weird topic where he says, show me your glory, all my goodness will pass before you. So the glory of God is the goodness of God. You can see God's glory in the birds singing. Every breath I take, it's the goodness of God. And then you start seeing that there's the holiness of God in everything. It's just like, it, it displays his glory, his goodness. You see the Grand Canyon, you cry, you, you know, it's just, your, your baby's born. It's, it's just, you can see something of the goodness of God. And I was just undone. But here's the deal. Today, I want you to, I want you to open up your hearts to being like Moses, of maybe allowing yourself to want him more. As we go a little bit deeper here, allow yourself to just be a bit more open to what God might want. Um, it's like when I was a young kid, we had that little kiddie pool, like two feet, and you swim in it. Then I went to my buddy Seth's house, and he had a big pool, and I had a deep end. I was like, dang. And I jumped in like this with the floaties, and then I was at the bottom. The floaties flew off, and I was like, ha, <laughs> I mean, it was a trip. But someone saved me. I was down there a while, so uh, that's part of my problem, I think. Uh, so th then I went to Florida, and I, I saw the ocean. I was like, this thing's alive. I want this, not the stinking little two-foot kiddie pool. God is, there's more to God than we, we give him credit. And I want, I want to hopefully today be like Moses and getting more, okay? So there's some barriers. Let me read some of the barriers. I think there's barriers to entering into God's presence. It could be, it could be busyness. I can get busy all the time. This is that classic, Matt mentioned it earlier today, the Martha Mary, where Martha is busy, busy, busy with things, but Mary's at the feet of Jesus saying, I just want whatever you want. Whatever you want, I want, you know, just soaking that up. And I know I have three kids and schedules start to roll. And then you don't have any time for God. And it's like you're tired at the end of the day. And so instead of like going to him, you go to the television. And it feels like all this stuff I'm running to seems to rob me of encountering God because I throw other things in. I add other busy stuff in, even if it's just entertainment or joy uh, or a new hobby. I'm a hobby guy. I probably have ADHD. I don't know. Uh, so I, I go to hobby to hobby and, and um, I'm just like, why do I do this when I can go and be with him? It, it could be you know, it could be fear of what he might ask of you. What, if I go before God 
because I've read a little bit of the Bible, and I know when you go to him, he says, you must lose your life to find it. You must take your cross up. You know, give all that you have and follow me. And so maybe we're afraid to come near to him because of what he might ask of us. Um, I mean, what is it for you? I, I mean, I can't read your mail, uh, but it could, be, it could be a lot of things. So I think for me, it's, uh, in the past, it was sin, where I just felt shame. I can't go before him. Did you know what I thought this week? You know what I did this week? I mean, is there sin in your life that you just have never told anybody? I, f- I feel like James, when he says, confess your sins to one another, it's kind of a liberating act. I love this quote. I gotta read it. It's so good. So I gotta find it. Where's that? Oh, Rob Reimer. We cannot overcome that which we will not admit. Light is a gift. It is not an intrusion. Light is a gift, not an intrusion. I, I think we can confess our sins to God. It's like Bonhoeffer says it. It's easy to confess your sin to God which is insane. He's like, that's crazy because he's holy, just, righteous. But then we can't confess our sins to one another. And it's like, he's holy, righteous above us. And we're, we're afraid to tell one another, like, I did this and it just, it cripples. I mean, I had a guy call me yesterday and he's just telling me the stuff that he's never told anybody. And it's just dark stuff. And it's, it's been controlling his life. It's been causing him to have like OCD because of these things he did and he's never brought them. He told them to God, but it's, there's a liberation, I think, sometimes when you just tell a brother or sister, this is it. I mean, I make it a practice. Every two, every two weeks, I tell this buddy David all my sins. I mean, I'm just relentless. I'm like, here it is, everything. And uh, he thinks it's a bit extreme, but I'm like, no, I want you to know everything. And he's like, dang, but he does it. And then I'm like, no, you tell me. And, and he does, um, but you know, it's just, it's liberating. I mean, C.S. Lewis says it. he's like, it's like when you got a bad tooth, you go to the dentist and you know, it's just gonna feel better when they rip it out. You know, now we fix teeth, but it's British, right? British, they, they went, yeah. my wife's awesome. Uh, I'm in trouble, uh, you know. So when you like know you're going to go confess, not only to God, but the brothers and sisters that love you will pray for you, will help you. It's like, this is going to feel great to just get this off. So maybe it's that, where you feel like you can't go before God because you have these hidden things. I think a lot of times it's pain. Pain is one of the greatest accelerants to me, and when I think the greatest accelerants to cause us to grow towards him or run away from him. And it's a great teacher in my mind to just practicing what this says. It's just pain. You can't understand it. You can't make sense of it. But it, 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 it is the accelerant and the teacher to putting the word of God into practice and trust into practice. It's like St. Augustine, this old guy from way back, 300 AD. He, lo- he became a Christian. He lost his best friend. Then he lost his 17-year-old son. And then soon after that, he loses his mother. And he's broken. He has doubts. He has things. But he says this. He says, in my deepest wound, I saw your glory, and it dazzled me. It dazzled me. Job. I mean, I mean, we're all going through pain. 
And it does not make sense. And I think of Job when he's at the end and he's like, why is this all happening? And his friends tell him, then he tries to come up with something. And then God arrives on the scene and he shows up. And this is when Job says, my ears have heard, but now my eyes have seen. And he just repents. And God says, were you there when I created the mountains, when I created and I gave life and I created the galaxies? And he's like, I created everything. Were you there? You don't, he doesn't give an answer. He just shows him, look who I am. And that was enough for Job to not need an answer. There's There's a reality here where when we see him, answers, the questions have answers. And it doesn't make sense, but when we see him, we just know he's enough. That's all I can say, because that's what happens in Job's life. That's what happens in many of these people's lives. I was seven when I kind of said the prayer of, uh, you know, here's whatever, here's my life. And I said the little prayer, and nothing really happened, you know? Nothing really changed. And I was this mad little dyslexic kid, couldn't talk to us 12. And I was just angry, angry at God, angry at my mom. She made me read. I was like, no! And, and I just I hated her. But I love her. I love her. But she made me read, uh, tried to read. And um, so I had all these troubles. And I always had doubts, like, if God came right now, would I really be saved? And so I'd say the prayer every night. I confess my sins every night. And it's like that second John, a 1 John 2, 28, that when he appears, will you have confidence at his arrival? Or will you shrink back in shame at his coming? I never felt ready. Never felt ready. Like if he came back right now, would you, oh, I'm not ready. I don't have that stuff in order. I don't have that stuff in order. Or would you be like, yes, I've been waiting. I've been waiting. I need this. And I never felt ready. And then at 16, God did something. Well, I met this good-looking girl. It wasn't my wife. She's not a good-looking wife. I'm in trouble. Uh, so um, she, and she knew the Bible. And so I was like, I'm going to read the Bible or listen to it. My, my parents got an audible. So I was listening to it in 1 Corinthians. And I only got to chapter 10. And God just blew my life up. I'll, find, I'll give you a way of escape. And I was like, you're the way of escape. All this shame, all this stuff. Christ, you are the way of escape. From all these anxieties, from all these things, you are the way of escape. And for whatever reason, I was like, my whole life is meant to be for you. And it, it, it just blew my mind. And it made sense because I encountered him. My dyslexia didn't go away. None of that, but I, my, I encountered him, and stuff made sense. I don't know why, but it's just good enough. Paul talks about it. Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians 3. He talks about how when we go and see him, that there's something in the way. It's called the veil. And he was talking about Moses on the mountain, and when Moses went up, he, he had the glory of God. Then he walked down the mountain, and his face shined with the glory of God, Right? And people were like, ha! Ah! And so he put a veil on his face, put a veil on his face so that people wouldn't see the glory fading. 
And Paul talks about how we have a veil lying over our hearts, but the only way for that veil to be removed and us to go into the temple, into the inner courts where we can meet with the glory of God is for the veil to be removed, and that is turning to the Lord. We have to turn to the Lord for the veil to be removed. And then we can behold his glory. And when you behold his glory, you'll be transformed from one degree of glory to the next. It's like a great passage. And um, great enough, let's read it. Pull it up. Um, Adam, I almost forgot your name. Um, yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Turning to the Lord removes the veil. And what can you do when the veil is removed? Beholding the glory of the Lord. Now there's a part, of, there's a part for us to play here. You have to behold. You have to look at him. Uh, I let, my wife has a quote. She says, change, uh, change requires God's power and our participation. Uh, and I love that because I'm like, yes, we need God's power. And sometimes we're like, you just want God to do everything. But there's also some participation that goes with it where you have to look, you have to draw near, you have to make time. God doesn't do it all for you. He, he has power, but also we have to look, we have to gaze, we have to, we have to draw near. And I think a perfect story for this is kind of Moses, but also I have a personal story. Moses, when he saw the burning bush, he turned aside to see this great sign. He had to turn aside to see it. I think this is why Jesus says, ask, seek, knock. I had dyslexia, like Matt said, and could not read. I missed my graduation to go to Celebration Midwest. If you haven't signed up, miracles happen there. You're about to find out. So uh, I would sign up. I missed my graduation. I go to this place, and this guy has a word for me. He says, the letters will become clear to you. You'll see things you never thought you'd see before. And I was just faith came in. And I was like, that means I can read. And I just knew it. And he's like, hold up, man. No, I knew it. Now, it, I knew God's power had entered me. That's what I knew. God was doing something. But I still had to participate. I had to go to the back of the book table. I had to pick up a book, and I had to read it. And I read it, and I started bawling my eyes out. My mom starts bawling. And it's just, like, amazing, and everyone's crying. And, and then Heather, if you guys don't, you might not remember this, uh, Heather and Matt are there, and they come and say, Parker, that's awesome. We got to get you on stage. It's, you got to read something. And so Heather's so nice and so wonderful. She hands me the smallest Bible in the world. <laughs> I mean, for real. It was so tiny. And, like one of those Gideon ones. Where, and I open it up and I'm like, I can't read again. I mean, I was like the smallest print. And so then they throw me up there. There's like 200, 300 people. And I'm, I, I, then I try to, and I stumble through it. I read it. But man, it was, it was one of those nights. It was just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It was so, it's a small Bible, man. Uh, yeah, you messed me up for a good 30 seconds. Um, oh, man. 
Well, I thought through the story. I was like, oh, that was a good time. So God did something, but there's always a part for you to play in it. Even though God could do it all, but he wants your involvement. Okay, I got to make sense of all this, right? Because we started with Moses, and, and it's like, what's this guy doing? So um, for me, what's Paul saying? Even what Job is saying, what Moses is saying, they're kind of saying when you see God, everything, like when the goodness of God passes by, nothing else seems that good. Nothing else seems that good. It's like when the goodness of God passes by, everything, the questions, the doubts are all eclipsed by his goodness. And it, all of a sudden, all we see is his, and then we think, man, faith explodes. And then I'm like, God can do anything. Sometimes I think that when I meet with him, I'm like, you can do anything. You can do anything. And it starts to just rise up in us when we see him. And I just want more of that. I want more of that where he, he's in the room. And like Paul says, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, my Lord. I just want to know him. I want to experience him. But I want to do it like Moses. Because in that chapter 33, verse 13, he says, what are your ways? Show me, show me your ways. That's what he says. He says, show me your ways. What do you want? What do you want? God, what do you want? I want to ask him that. What do you want? Whatever you want, I want. Whatever you want, I want. And then he asks in verse 15, he says, if you don't go with me, I, I don't, if your presence doesn't go with me, I don't want the promised land. I don't want the promised land. And so then you think, if God would give you that house you want, if God would give you that relationship you want, if he would give you that, and he even says this to the Israelites, I'll give you the promised land, but I won't go with you. So if God says, I will give you all those things you want, but I won't be in them, I won't be in them. And he can do that, and he does do that. You know, dr dreams, Proverbs says, it comes with much busyness. Like, you'll get your dreams, but you might lose something greater. You might lose something greater. And I want to be like Moses. If you don't go with me, I don't want all of that stuff. I don't want the stuff. I don't want the stuff. Like, that's what I want to be. And then I want to go beyond just verse 15, and I want to get to verse 18, where I'm before him, and I'm not just saying, what do you want? I only want you. Now I want to say, I want as much as I can have of you. I want to ask to the extremity that it's like God says, I can't give you that because you will die. You will literally die. I want to ask... To the point, God has to say, Parker, no, you will die. I want as much as my body and my mind can handle. I get so tired of running to these other stuff, and it's like he's the eternal God that can fill us with joy unspeakable, peace that transcends all understanding, yet I'm running to, to entertainment. I'm running to this petty hobbies. I'm so tired of that. I want to run to the one that satisfies beyond comprehension. I want that. 
What's the one thing I ask of? This I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. To gaze. One thing. What's the one thing? I want it to be him. I just want it to be him. You know, just tired of gazing at the wrong stuff. I'm tired of gazing at the wrong. I want to gaze at the one, the author, the perfecter of my face. He's right here. He is right here. And we can gaze at him if we just clear our minds a bit and we just go to him and I'm just, I want to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord from one degree of glory to the next, you'll be transformed. If you want to be changed, if you want that stuff out of your life, you have to behold the glory of Christ. You have to gaze upon the one that transforms fully. I'm just like a chump. I'm, I'm about to cry. You know what I mean? A chump, not really. Uh, and I just, I think what affects me too is there's people probably in this room, there's some of you, and there's people that we walk by all the time that have never tasted and seen that the Lord is good. They've never had that. They've never had a joy that comes in and a peace that transcends all of And I think of like, I think about Paul when he says, you'll be transformed from one degree of glory to the next. Just like Moses comes off the mountain and is shining, we can be ones that point for others, we can point to Christ. If we're being filled and being transformed, it will reflect Christ. Christ will reflect for you the aroma of Christ. I want to be the aroma of the reflection of Christ. And we are all called to do that. The work of an evangelist, ones that can say there is a better way. It's hard, but it's better. And uh, it's, it's, I always love the, the thought of like reflecting the glory of God. We, my kids have these stars on the ceiling and we pull them down and you, you know, they, they shine up for a little bit, but if you pull one off the ceiling, you put a flashlight on it and you just hold it on there for like, you know, a minute and then you turn off the light. It's like, la, 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 and it's shining, right? Um, I, that's it. Like I want to be on that source of the light, Christ so close to him, so mesmerized by him that I begin to just reflect him, right? That's what I want. And some of you today, you don't know him. You don't know him, but you start, you're starting to see the glory of God. You're, you're, some of you here today are like, I want to see him. And I'm starting to see him. And I wanna, I wanna turn to the Lord so that the veil will be removed. Some of you need the veil to be removed so that you can behold the glory of God because you've never seen him. And I, I kept thinking this, uh, it's, it's just the merry-go-round. And you know when, when, you're, when someone spins it so fast and you're like dangling, you're like, ah, help me. I remember, I vividly remember that happened to me. And you know, I was just like, dad, help me. Dad, help, help, help. And sometimes life feels that way. It's spinning so fast. That you're like, I don't know how I got here, but somehow I'm here and I am spinning out of control and I cannot stop it. There's a simple answer to that. You have to yell for help. Help! 
Help! That's what you yell to Christ. Help! If you don't know him, and you haven't turned to him, you have to yell help. You have to humble yourself. A.W. Tozer says it like, you know, God's glory comes at the sacrifice of self. Always comes. As soon as you sacrifice yourself and lay yourself down saying, I need help, his glory comes and you see it and you're changed. So maybe that's your response today is turning to him, telling somebody that you turn to him, asking someone, how do I turn to him? Help me. Maybe I kept having this image coming in. Maybe this is how you respond I, I, I kept seeing this. You know that fireplace? You have a nice fireplace in your house. You get a cozy blanket, and then you, you get next to the fire. You warm your, your nuggets, your toes, whatever. Um, and then you warm your hands, all that, right? It feels really nice, really nice. I love this. And I felt like God said, Parker, you're treating me like a tame little house fire where you warm parts of your life that you want to warm, and then the rest... Whatever. You throw a few things in that you think are trash that aren't that fun. But I want to consume your life because I am a consuming fire. He doesn't want just a warm part of you. He wants to consume your life. Every bit of it. I throw it in. I throw it in. And maybe that's the way you respond. Maybe you're verse, uh, maybe you're verse 13. What do you want, God? You haven't asked God, what do you want in a long time? Because you've been scared. You've been shameful. God, what do you want? Maybe you're saying, God, I, I haven't been wanting you more than everything else, so help me to want you more than anything else. Maybe you're verse 18, and you're saying, God, show me more of you. I haven't seen you in a long time. I'm so thirsty. I need a glimpse. I need a glimpse right now. I don't know where you're at, but you're bound to be in one of those categories. And so you must respond. You must respond in your hearts. Don't just take it in. Don't just feel it. You must respond to him. Draw near to the throne of grace, to, to receive mercy and find grace to help you in times of need. We must draw near to the throne of grace.